Pastor Xavier Reese shares the secret to surviving those difficult times. If you are studying the Word of God daily, reading, praying, going to church, you're involved. You are training yourself for the difficult days. And when those difficult days come, you will do what you're doing every day. If you're praying, you're obeying, you're seeking the Lord, when the difficult times come, you'll do the same. But if you're playing games now, when the tough times come, you'll say, see you later. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Bible warns us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what happens when this type of persecution hits home? Today, Pastor Xavier helps us prepare for such attacks as he brings us encouragement as we return to the book of Revelation and visit the church of Smyrna. Let's listen. As we continue our series in the seven churches of Revelation, we want to look at the church of Smyrna, which is the second of the seven. And as we said last time, there's a pattern to all of them. It begins with the proclamation, which literally is a confrontation, but proclamation. Then secondly, you have the commendation. And then there's the condemnation. Then there's the exhortation and the application. Five things. Notice first the proclamation in verse 8. The identity of the recipient of the letter, again, is to the angel of Smyrna. Once again, the word angel is talking about the messenger, the pastor, not the angel because angels don't preach over pulpits, as we've said. The name Smyrna, remember, means bitter. Yet it was a product of sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord because she was going through the things she was going through in her obedience to the Lord. When you and I go through things in obedience to the Lord, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Others may say, boy, you're crazy, you're a fool. But God looks upon your obedience, obedience to the scriptures. And so the command of Smyrna as to Ephesus was to identify and address her personal situation and suffering. And that's the thing about each letter. Jesus comes right alongside, he identifies with them. The apostles of Jesus, as you know, all of them died martyrs' death. John is the last one who's alive. He dies of a natural death, but all were martyred. In fact, our Lord here identifies himself to these persecuted and suffering saints as one who has also suffered, but conquered, being able to comfort them, for he's the God of all comfort in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. So whatever you're going through, he knows where you're at. Notice the commendation in verse 9. Jesus knew what they were doing and had done in the past. You see, the work of God cost them everything, their very lives. Again, we as Americans don't understand any of this. We only read about it. Now, those who were assembled, as the word synagogue here means, they planned together to bring slanderous and vicious remarks against the Christian. That still goes on today. You know, today in the world that we're living, Christianity is not really looked down upon as favorable. You know, we're very intolerant. You know, we're homophobic. We're not politically correct because we live for righteousness. The world does not bow down to Jesus, to his word. They stand there and look at him and shake their fist. Hmm. The reference is not so much that they met in a literal synagogue, but only that 
They identified themselves with the Old Testament economy, the Judaizers that chased Paul around and always brought persecution because they wanted to make Christianity an extension of Judaism. Christianity is not an extension of Judaism. Christianity is the fulfillment. And so the scriptures are clear that it's not what's outwardly, as Paul speaks in Romans 2, 28 and 29. Just because you're circumcised as a Jew doesn't mean you're a Jew. Because God looks at the circumcision of the heart. That's what Deuteronomy always said. Circumcise your heart. Rent your garments. No, rent your heart. <laughs> Notice the Lord identifies them as being of the synagogue of Satan. This is the first time that it's revealed in the revelation, the ultimate source of persecution of the Christian. It is Satan. The revelation will unfold even more as we look at the book of Revelation. Satan is the one behind the persecution, behind the tribulation of the believer. And when the church is taken out, then the wrath of God comes directly from the throne of God, and God uses Satan, but still is from the throne of God. There's a distinction, okay? Remember, the word devil means slander. He is the source of the blasphemy here at Smyrna. First time Satan appears this way. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church in Matthew 16, 18. His authority is greater. He's in control. He's doing things. He is sufficient. Though it seems that Satan's winning, as the church is being persecuted, it is not. God's on the throne. And so the first century church was evident of this in the entire period of persecution. They never destroyed her. All it did was purify her. The church in China. You ever get the little book, The Church in China, during Mao's reign? The church was very small. Couldn't even go, really ignite itself. And so God got all the missionaries out of China and brought persecution. And what happened? The church blew up on the ground. The modern-day Rwanda, Sudan. Don't believe the news that's political. That's spiritual. Christians being killed. So many bodies, you couldn't even see the water in the river, just floating down river. In our lifetime, last decade, persecuting the church has always come through Satan. But the more he persecutes her, the more she grows. And the more she becomes pure. The hall of faith, Hebrews 11. The heroes of faith. And so the only thing that will ruin the church is compromise and luxury. The worst thing that can ever happen to the church and has happened, the church married herself to the world under Constantine in the church of Pergamos, which we'll get into next time. Killed it. Just let your Christianity become formality, ritual. Let it become something mediocrity. You stay in love. You stay in passion in love with the Lord. You stay afresh. You stay current. Otherwise, you'll be no longer dependent upon God, but dependent upon man, the arm of flesh. No longer having a living daily relationship, but you become deaf, blind, and dependent on ritualistic patterns. God help us. Smyrna was a suffering church. Smyrna had no time to play games. Therefore, the Lord has no condemnation for Smyrna or Philadelphia. Smyrna, she's suffering. She doesn't have time to get in trouble. Philadelphia, she's too busy for the Lord. She doesn't have time. It's not priority. We get in trouble when we have too much time. This was a commendation of Smyrna. No condemnation. Notice verse 10, the exhortation. The church was not to be afraid of the coming sufferings. Do not fear those things which are about to suffer, that you're about to suffer. Literally, stop being afraid. Why does he say this? It's a repeated command through the scriptures when he says, stop being afraid or don't be afraid, because they were afraid. 
Their fear was over the things that were about to come upon them in the future. They had suffered in the past, they were suffering in the present, and they would suffer in the future. The viciousness of Rome and the manner of instilling that fear through torturous death and gruesome mutilation was witnessed by all and nobody. Rome just put fear in people, what they did to people. We must remember that God will never ask us to do anything unless he enables us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He'll never allow us to be tested more than we're able, but always give us the way of escape. He always is faithful. He'll never leave us nor forget us or forsake us. He'll work in us and through us. Hebrews 13, 5. He'll be faithful, never leave us or forsake us. The warning is to the Ephesians. They left their first love. He doesn't leave us. He's faithful. He'll be with us to the end of the ages. Matthew 28, 20. And so notice the church was to know that it was going to be a time of testing. The devil was about to cast some of them in prison. Notice that. He already told them that he was the source of their persecution in verse 9. But notice that he had told his disciples that when they were brought before the magistrates in Luke 12, 11, that they were not to think what to say. The Holy Spirit would give them the words in that day. Listen, if you are studying the word of God daily, reading, praying, going to church, you're involved. You are training yourself for the difficult days. And when those difficult days come, you will do what you're doing every day. If you're praying, you're obeying, you're submitting, you're, or you're seeking the Lord. When the difficult times come, you'll do the same. But if you're playing games now, when the tough times come, you'll say, see you later. Why me? I got a better question. Why not you? The purpose was that they be tested. Mark that well. The word tested means to bring to trial. For the purpose of attaining quality, what a person thinks, how they respond, how they behave. In fact, the same word is used by Jesus when he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness in Matthew 4.1. Of course, it revealed pure character in him. Ananias and Sapphira, it proved bad character, Acts 5.9. They lied to the Holy Spirit to God. The context dictates one is positive, the other one's negative. The believer is to expect and understand that the trials of our faith are normal and intense in the life of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 6-7, various trials, different sizes, different colors, different intensities. Some are called fiery. <laughs> he says, don't think it's strange. You're a Christian. When they speak evil of you, know that Christ is being glorified. The time period was to be for 10 days. Mark it well. It has been interpreted either 10 Roman edicts or symbolically represent a short time. The favorable interpretation is 10 Roman edicts. Here they are. Nero, 54 AD. Domitian, 81. Trojan, 98. Antonius, 117. Uh, Severus, 195. Maximina, 235. Decius, 249. Valerian, 254. Aurelian, 270. Diocletian, 284. The worst was Diocletian, lasting 10 years. One after the other, persecution after persecution. The manner was diverse. Nero dipped men in, in pitch and tar, crucified them, lit them on fire to light up his garden. Then he paraded around naked in his chariot. Crazy man. Boiled them in oil. 
poured hot lead on their bellies as they were stretched on the rack, burned them at the stake, sold them in animal skins, allowed wild animals to get at them. Diocletian tried to destroy the Bible by having public burnings of the scriptures. He's gone. The scriptures are still here. Polycarp was 90 years old, and he was asked to recant. He was the bishop of Smyrna. Listen to his words. 86 years I have served my Lord, and he has never wronged me. How can I deny him now? The soldier asked him to recant and to spend his last days in peace, for the flames would be hot. To which Polycarp responded, not nearly as hot as those you will experience. Whoa. This is the church he's addressing. The question is, why does God allow it? Because he is sovereign, and the clay cannot say to the potter, what are you doing? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints, Psalm 116, verse 15. Paul was given revelations and then a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12 to keep him humble, dependent on the Lord. For our perfection, James 1, 1 through 3 tells us, he allows these things to come. And also to attest to the power of God, Acts 9, 16, that God would get the glory, that we would become more like him, that the world might see Jesus and not us. Listen, the world doesn't want to see you. The world needs to see Jesus. They don't need to see me. They need to see Jesus. And so the church was to be faithful to Jesus. Notice that in verse 10. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The word means one who keeps his plight of faith. G. Campbell Morgan points out that the word faithful is from the root, which means to be convinced. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of the world, the judge that's going to judge everybody? Are you convinced that Jesus Christ died in your place and he rose from the dead? Are you convinced that you will never hide anything from God and that you will have to give an account for everything if you're not a Christian? Are you convinced? Because on that will weigh whether you're going to be faithful in the days of difficulty or not. And by the way, we are to be faithful to him and commit ourselves to a faithful creator in our suffering, 1 Peter 4.19. I love that verse. Because I've got no excuses. I can't ever say to Jesus, you don't understand pain. You don't understand loneliness. You don't understand mockery. You don't understand betrayal. Oh, yes, he does. Notice the promise is that he will give the individual the crown of life. The crown of life is the worst of Thanos. We've talked about it before. It refers to the victor's crown, joy, festivity. They will be given to the overcomer, but they will all be placed at the feet of the Lord, as Revelation 4.10 says, because it all is because of him. He has done it all through us, so we cast them to him. The crown, as you know, is usually a garland flower. They were worn in pagan worship to the god Sibylle Bacchus. We still have that god Bacchus. He's a party god, the god of wine, debauchery, spring break. All the kids know all about him. They worship him big time, more than ever, any generation before. In fact, this picture was on a coin with the crown of battlement in Smyrna. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him, James 1, 12. 1 Peter 5, 4 also will tell you that. Now notice it seems that many times we must wear the crown of affliction before we can appreciate the crown of victory. Is that true? 
How many of us have cried to the Lord and threatened him that we're going to quit? And after we've gone through those difficult times, we wouldn't exchange those things for a million dollars. You know why? Because it's caused to be more like Jesus Christ. And before the crown of glory, we must wear the crown of affliction. And Jesus did that as they crowned him with the crown of thorns. Without knowing it, they were crowning him as king of kings and lord of lords. This was the exhortation to Smyrna. Now notice the application is found in verse 11. The declaration is an invitation for everyone. No one's excluded. There must be a willingness to listen. There is a a sense of responsibility and accountability on what is being heard. It's not just listening, but there's an accountability here. There's a culpability to every person who does not listen. It's an open book. It's not sealed. The message is to every generation. To those who much is given, much is required. You have the greater judgment. There's the words, he who has an ear, favorite words of Jesus. We hear them all the time in the gospel. Now they're here by the Spirit. They're here by the person of Christ. Notice the declaration is an invitation to obey what the Spirit says, listen, to the churches. The word here, as we said last time, means having uh, the faculty to hear as opposed to being deaf. We get our word acute, keen, sensitive hearing. Literally, let him accurately and effectively hear. And the obedience is not limited to the message of the church of Smyrna because it's all seven. The word church is plural, churches. So they were to pay heed to the message directly to them, but then all the other six messages they were to examine and apply also. Now notice the declaration is an invitation with promise of reward. The promise of reward of life has already been declared as the promise to those who are faithful unto death. The one to receive the reward, though, is the overcomer. Notice that. It is in the present participle, timeless. Every generation that reads this, that promises to them, if they will hear, it's timeless. It is the faith of the Christian that overcomes the world, 1 John 5, 4, and 5. Our faith in Christ, not in ourselves. Our faith in what he did, not what we can do. Our faith in his promises, not what we think we deserve. The overcomer shall not be hurt of the second death. He or she will be exempt from this second death. The second death is described for us after the white throne judgment or at the white throne judgment that we find in Revelation 20. Let me just give you some. In Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part of the first resurrection over such that second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. It is Eternal separation from the presence of God. So once people are judged that rejected Jesus, they're eternally separated from God. The first resurrection is a period of time that runs from Pentecost till the end of the tribulation. It is not a one-time event, but an ongoing resurrection. If you die right now when you leave here this service, you'll be instantly present before the Lord. And if the rapture takes place tomorrow, I'll meet you in the clouds. You'll come down to meet me. Chapter 20, 13 and 14, it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and dead and hell delivered the dead which were in them, and they were judged everyone according to their works, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. The second death is in the lake of fire where you're eternally separated from God for having rejected Jesus Christ. It is the experience of the unbeliever to die twice, physically and spiritually. They're born once. 
The believer is born once physically, born once spiritually, and he dies once physically. Unless we are the generation of the rapture, that's the only exception of physical death. We have passed from death unto life. Listen to Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murder, the sexual immoral, the sorcerer, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As myrrh was used for perfume, holy ointment, embalming, so the process of crushing of the church of Smyrna became a sweet aroma to the Lord because of its holiness, because of its purity, its faithfulness to never decay. She lives on, as so those that are faithful to him. And this church goes on today in Africa, in China, Cuba. In 1998, I received a letter from a ministry that... Um, is ongoing in China, and I received many of these. But let me read you this. I was told of a 21-year-old girl that was arrested for gathering uh, in the house church because it's all underground. And her skull was fractured. She was beaten so severe that her breast area that she has a heart condition now. One of her kidneys burst, yet she lies silently in her bed in the hospital. And an old brother came, uh, and he was attempting to find words to comfort her. Res recognizing that uh, this, she said this, quote, this is what God allowed. I am grateful now in this bed because of his name I am here. So that don't trouble your heart for me, but please remember those who treat me and it caused me to be in bed. Please pray for them, but not for me. Another brother was in prison and did not know why God allowed it, even becoming very sick himself. But there was a man in the cell under most deplorable condition, being paralyzed and very sick. He was unable to care for himself, and he constantly had defecated on himself, and from this point on, his pants literally deteriorated from him. He just lay there. And he helped this man and cared for him and told him that he did it, not because he was so good, because Jesus loved him and God loved him. The man responded by saying, you do not have to speak anymore. There was nobody, nobody who tried to come up to me in the past years. But now you, you reached me right away as you came up to me in the past years. And there was lots of people that passed by, but there was nobody like you. The time you moved and towards me as you moved since that time, I was ready to open my heart to you. I believe in, in your Jesus. The author of the letter says, our Chinese Christian friends, they often quote John 12, 24. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of greed fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. As you endure the bitter things of life, and you die for Christ, a sweet fragrance comes up. Remember to stop being afraid. Jesus has said this to this church. He knows where you've been, he knows what you're going through, and he knows what you will go through. Remember, Jesus has conquered death in Hades. The minute you die, you're instantly present with the Lord. Remember to be faithful, even unto death. And so, this was the application of Smyrna. The entire message of the Church of Smyrna is to be faithful in her suffering unto death. The message speaks of a local church in John's day. The message speaks of a period of church history from 100 to 312 A.D. 
the message speaks of a type of church that will exist through the church age, Pentecostal rapture, even through the tribulation. And the message speaks of a type of Christian that can exist through the church age. Are you a Smyrna? You're a sweet aroma to the Lord. You don't have to inform about anything. He's fully aware of everything. Now commit yourself to Him as a faithful creator. Pastor Xavier Reese with words of comfort for those who are suffering for their faith. And you can request a copy of today's comforting study from the book of Revelation titled The Suffering Church Smyrna. It's available for just $4 on CD. And this also includes what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is The Suffering Church Smyrna. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, it's easy to talk about faith, but what happens when we have to put it into practice? Learn how to stand strong when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com